Hi friends, welcome to the Friends of France podcast. In this safe space, we are favored in each episode with the presence of an expert guest from different fields and specialties as we learn about their life journeys, their successes, possible regrets, and realizations, their work, why they do what they do, and even their life outside of work. In here, we tear down common myths and misinformation with up-to-date, evidence-based science and data simplified for anyone to digest. We don't shy away from topics that can sometimes be polarizing or taboo. We normalize the humanization of healthcare and its workers, and we promote the importance of self-care and safeguarding your mental health. Please keep in mind that the conversations in this podcast are for educational and informational purposes only. They are not implied or intended to be a substitute for professional medical diagnosis, advice, or treatment. Please always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare providers regarding a medical condition. Are you ready? Let's go! Hello! Welcome back! Happy Friday! Welcome to another episode of the Friends of France podcast, second season, fifth episode. Time is flying. Like, how is it already February in two weeks? I feel like I just closed my eyes and then I opened them and then we're in another month. Well, I guess it's not entirely a bad thing given that I can introduce you to our amazing expert guests every Friday. Today we're going to have a very different topic than the past episodes you've heard so far, both season 1 and season 2 combined. So in the past 30 episodes of the whole podcast series so far, we've met a lot of healthcare workers, nurses, physicians, physical therapists, dentists. We heard from different specialties, cardiology, pulmonology, internal medicine. We learned about different diseases, we learned about different treatments, and we also learned about different ways to take care of people. People. And that is what's special in our episode today. For the most part, we are steering away from people. Which means we'll be talking about our cutie little pet. (laughs) If you're thinking that today's topic will be about animals, outside of humans of course, you got that right. Today we are talking about veterinary medicine. Like I said, most of our guests are doctors, nurses, techs, therapists... And then I realized, why don't we talk about other doctors and other nurses that normally don't deal with people? Because, you know, within the veterinary field, there's also their usual roles that we know of. We see vet doctors, we see vet nurses, we see vet techs, we see vet surgeons, you name it. I do have my own inclination to pets, specifically dogs, because I actually had a puppy of my own when I was younger. If I remember correctly, I was in first grade when I first had our dog. She was a cocker spaniel, golden and wavy hair and just the cutest thing ever. I won't say the name <laughs> because every security question of my accounts, the question is always, what is your first pet's name? And so I won't say it. <laughs> I would like to keep my bank account, thank you very much. But actually, prior to my cocker spaniel, My very first official time that I actually took care of a puppy was way back in the Philippines. I was probably four or five years old at that time. I grew up on a farm, but occasionally we would go to the city where my auntie had a store and someone gave her this cute puppy. And I fell in love with the puppy because each time I would go away from the store, it would cry and bark after me. So one time we were going back to the farm to harvest. I remember that that puppy wouldn't stop barking when I was leaving, so I put him inside a small backpack and I took the jeep all the way to the farm with the puppy inside my bag. Eventually, the owner took back the dog and I moved here to New York and I remember being so heartbroken about the puppy. 
And fast forward to when I was about six years old, now here in New York City, we also had to give our Cocker Spaniel away. And I actually forgot the reason why. All I remember is that I would cry every single night and I would dream about my Cocker Spaniel for the next two or three months, every night. I would dream that she would be running back to me and hugging me and licking me again. I remember when I was playing with her in the snow in the backyard while I was pretending to be one of the four kids in Narnia. And now seeing my friends who have their own puppies and cats and other pets, it makes me really think of that connection that a person has with their best friend, with their pet. There are usually three things that makes me cry. One, sad K-dramas. Two, those viral Facebook videos of people from the military surprising their family back home. And third, when dogs are euthanized in front of their owner and the owner is just howling and crying in pain. And me being a previous pet owner myself, it's so interesting to think about that connection, that intimate and unconditional bond that a pet owner, who we will call pet parents according to our expert guest today, with another life that is not a human, someone from a different species, from someone so different from us. And that is the topic that we will tackle today. Pet parents and their pets. That intimate bond, that pure love. And also the whole studies of veterinary medicine. Do they have to know about all animals in the animal kingdom? What are the most common reasons and diagnoses why a pet parent might take their dog or kitten to the veterinarian? What does neutering actually mean? Today, in this episode, I am so grateful to have our expert guest to answer all of these questions. Doctor of Veterinary Medicine and founder and CEO of Wellnergy Pet, the only pet product company fully staffed by actively practicing veterinarians and veterinary nurses in the U.S., which appeared on national television in 2021, while the Wellnergy Dental Wipes and Water Additive won America's Big Deal on USA Network, making it now available for purchase at Lowe's Retail Company nationwide. Also promoting pet health education online and on multiple press, including Fox 40 News, Shadowed LA, and Vet Candy. We have Dr. or should I say Dr. <laughs> Dr. Sarnium Lau. Let's go. Hey, how's it going? How are you doing? Good, good, good. Brian, what's going on, Chris? It's like 30 degrees here, so I'm like, I'm so jealous of the Cali weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Today is pretty good. It's short sleeve weather, but I have a little jacket here if I need it later. Oh, there we go. Looks, luckily, it doesn't look like we need it right now. Well, this is the baseline. I have to be in a sweater. But anyways, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I know that we planned to have a live stream like almost last year, like, right? Yeah. Like, exactly yeah, yeah, last yeah. year. And then I know our schedule didn't work out, but then it's fine because afterwards you were on TV in the interim <laughs> this past year. So yeah. it's crazy what one year can be, right? But if you could first please introduce yourself to everybody. Yeah, for sure. I'm Dr. Don Ram Liao. I'm a veterinarian here in Southern California. A lot of people call me Dr. Liao or Dr. Z. It's whatever you guys feel the most comfortable with. Basically, I've been a veterinarian for the last, you know, five years, five and a half years now. So it's been a little bit of time. And, you know, last two years have uh, been with COVID. And basically how, you know, me and Chris found each other is during COVID, the number of pets that I was able to see, I work for a big corporate uh, veterinary clinic. And because of regulations during that time, the amount of patients I could see every day went down from 35 to 15. So less than... 
Yeah. So everything got really backed up, you know, during that time, clients were waiting like a month to be able to see me in the clinic. So I had to take care of my community and the people here. This is my hometown is where I still practice. And so I started a little pet supplements company. So people didn't have to wait a whole month to see me for pets with chronic issues and spend 300 to $500 per visit. Instead, take yeah. care of their home. That's what we want during COVID. And luckily enough, little company grew and grew and grew from the back of an animal hospital into, you know, something that's online. And we were on TV yeah. last year. So, you know, that's our little journey here. But otherwise, I'm just your friendly neighborhood veterinarian here in my little hometown in LA. Yay, thank you so much. <laughs> you know, for the past, like I said, we were supposed to be on for season one last year, right? And yeah. we were able to have like 26 episodes for last year. And then I noticed that all 26 episodes were about humans. And I'm like, I mean, I think it makes sense because like I'm a nurse to humans. And, but I said, we have to talk about our non-human animals, our friendly pets and uh, now, the other animals that people may not consider as pets, and we have no one but the expert here. But for those who are unfamiliar, can you take us through how does one become a vet med doctor? What's the road to a DVM? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You definitely got to get your grades up in college. <laughs> you do for in the MD route. And once you have those grades, the final year of undergrad, you apply for veterinary school. Instead of taking, you know, the MCATs like you do in, in doctor, all we really need is a GRE. At the very least, you know, I'm lucky enough, my GRE score was good where I got in the veterinary school. It takes about four years, one year in the clinics. And after that final year, if you want to become, you know, a primary care doctor or family care doctor in the veterinary field, you're okay to start practicing if you feel comfortable enough. Uh, some mm. people for an extra year or two of I was lucky. My clinical year was very, very hands-on. I got lots of good training. I had a ton of good mentors. And so I didn't feel like I needed that extra year internship. But some people do want to pursue a specialty in the veterinary field, such as neurology, cardiology, mm. or, or even uh, surgery oncology, things like that. Okay, you do a you know an extra year of internship, you do three more years of residency, and then you take you know some of the most difficult boards in the world, and after that you become licensed and you're a specialist. But for me, I'm just a little old you know primary. <laughs> I'm the first stop, the family vet, and if I anything that I can't handle, such as a big multiple fracture, a difficult surgery oncology case, then I send those out. But otherwise, that's a little road to uh, becoming a DVM. There we go, and. How would you survive without primary care, right? Actually, that's yeah. what I was so, so curious about. I was like, did they have specialties for veterinary field as well? I said, most probably, right? Because they have hearts, they have eyes, and yeah. those people probably specialize in those. So it's just so, so interesting to think of this expansive world outside the human world, right? Where we have this whole branch of medicine. And let me tell you, I can't imagine how hard it is. Because, you know, for humans, right? It's like humans, and that's it. But for the whole vet med field, we have like dogs, we have cats, we have different anatomies, different yeah. this and that. But before we get into all of that, we'll talk about your practice. Where did you get this inspiration to become a vet med doctor? Was there parents, friends, or you had pets? I had a pet growing up. You know, I have a weird, crazy journey, you know. I know we're both Asian Americans, right? I don't know if you know the term, you know, parachute kid. But yeah, I was a parachute kid growing up over here. And so when I was 16, my parents left the country to go back to Taiwan so they could work. Mm -hmm. My good and my sister. So we're here on our own. It's basically us and our dog. <laughs> and so that's why the community is so big for me. 
important for me to come here back and practice here. On the other hand, you know, when my dog passed away down the line, when my parents were out of the country, I was like, man, this is never happening to me again. <laughs> and, you know, I decided to go and become a vet and never look back. And the rest is history. Oh, that is so cute. I actually had a dog too when I was growing up. Her name was Sandy. And then we had to give her away. I don't remember the exact reason why I was so young, but I've always had an inclination for dogs as well, specifically. But you know, like you said, the whole timeline of how one becomes a DVM, it's a very, very long and arduous road too, right? Just like any other field within healthcare specifically. You know, all those college days, and then you do your graduate school, your doctorate school, and then you do training. Do you have any regrets in pursuing this field? No, not at all. Honestly, this is no regrets. I'm super happy. I know there's a lot of burnout in the veterinary medicine field. There's a lot of mental health issues in the veterinary field, just like you see in sometimes dentistry. Well, as far as me, I'm super happy. I love my job. I go to work every day with this smile on. I'm a morning person, so my team isn't super. They're really groggy, and I come in, start blasting, you know, some music and. <laughs> And I'm like, what's on the schedule today? And like, oh my gosh. So yeah, no regrets. This is what I do. I have fun helping people and their pets and giving back to the community. You know, I used to work night shift in the hospital and I cannot deal with the morning people. <laughs> cannot deal. Cannot That's deal. Me. <laughs> I'm so deal. sorry. On behalf of, you know, all the people, I apologize to all the night people. We are super amped up in the morning. <laughs> There's just those people who literally bring the sun with them to work. But that's great. I mean, and I'm glad that you have no regrets, right? And it's a very physically and emotionally taxing field. I feel like anything, especially in the healthcare field, right? What is your advice to someone, let's say, who wants to pursue veterinary? Do it. Work hard. You know, work really, really hard. Make sure this is what you want to do. Get experience, not only working with pets, also talking to people. The mm. part we'll miss out on a lot and a little bit, you know, interesting to me is a lot of people in the veterinary field, they just want to deal with pets and animals all day and every day. And yeah, I guess see a lot of puppies and kittens, yeah. super <laughs> happy and I get to fix a lot of animals. But the next and most important thing is, uh, you know, there's a lot of customer service in here. It's because the animals can't talk and who's taking care of them? Their parents, right? So talking to them, making sure, hey, this is what's going on, you know, hey, this is what you guys need to do going forward, making sure they, they're getting the help is really, really important. And, uh, you know, making sure that you're comfortable being a people person sometimes, even though you're an animal doctor, is really, really important. If you don't have that education. Sometimes it's really difficult for people to wrap their minds around, you know, the first one or two years. Yeah. A veterinarian is really tough. Yeah. And... You know, it's so cute how you call it pet parents as opposed to the usual terms we hear as pet owners, right? Yeah. You were telling me about, you know, this, this whole relationship with the pet parents as well. It makes me remember, like, the field of pediatrics, right? Yeah. Sometimes, most of the time, your actual patient is the parent as opposed to the kid because the parents are the ones who can speak, who see them, who monitors them. And I feel like it's the same thing, right? With the pet parents, obviously the animals can't speak for themselves. I mean, they have physical presentations, but it's really the pet parents, right? And I can just imagine the amount of relationship that you have to build with them too, because it's so precious to them, right? These animals are so precious to them. That's a really, really good analogy. You are talking to the pair parents, like you said, and uh, yeah, talking to them is important and making sure that they're on board with everything you want to do and everything that's going on with their, you know, with your patient, you know, with their child is really important.
It's no longer October, but let me tell you a horror story. I was working bedside as a nurse. 12 hour shifts, 12,000 to 15,000 steps per night, always exposed to dripping blood, pee, and other fluids. And guess what? I was wearing skateboarding shoes for almost a year. Because my feet were killing me, I switched to more comfortable sneakers but had to go through three pairs because I would find new stains after shifts. And over time, as the pandemic came, I was too exhausted to think about my feet or even changing my footwear. I was then introduced to Clove, and I no longer had to do the thinking. To support the steps of those who dedicate their lives to caring for others, Clove collaborated with healthcare professionals and innovative designers to create a shoe that prioritizes the needs of those in the front line. These are sneakers designed for healthcare. They already did the thinking. Easy to clean and fluid repellent, I no longer have to worry about those red streaks or pea-soaked socks since I use the same wipes at work to remove every stain. Just this summer, one of my patients unexpectedly bled from the radial artery access site and made a pool in my brilliant whites on the floor. A few swipes with the purple wipes, all clean and with no damage. Plus being squeak-free, I no longer have to worry about waking up a sleeping patient. Layered with comfort, sore toes are no longer my problem since the shoes are now upgraded with double the cushioning, 50% more arch support, and a perfect heel pad. On top of this, the grippiest outsole also allows for a fluid channel technology while maintaining super secure footing. And yes, it's 100% cruelty-free and vegan. I love all of my clothes shoes and I hope that you can get ready to also step into your perfect pair. Use code FRANZ, that's F-R-A-N-Z, or visit goclove.com slash friends for 15% off your first pair of clothes shoes at checkout. I am no stranger to seeing patients that can't get the care they need because they can't afford it. Even if they get a medical recommendation that will help them, oftentimes, medication costs are so high it's totally out of reach, or they would have to choose between feeding their family or paying rent in order to get the medication, so people have to go without. After living through a pandemic, on some level, we all know the healthcare system in the United States is broken. That is why I am happy to see that mission-driven businesses are now taking an interest in the problem because it's not getting solved fast enough. Better Remedies is one of those companies doing something to really meaningfully help people with medical expenses, in particular, getting their medications. Better makes over-the-counter medication, think pain, gas, cough and flu, sleep, all the essentials for your medicine cabinet. For every box of Better Remedies sold, they cover the cost of someone's life-saving medication for a month. And this is someone who would otherwise have to choose between food, rent, gas to get to work, or otherwise caring for themselves or their family. It is such an easy switch to make. You get the same great relief you need for 10% less than other big name brands, and someone who doesn't have the access to their meds will get the help they need. In general, it's good to know the active ingredients you need for your symptoms rather than just buying a big name brand. It'll save you money, and because active ingredients are FDA regulated, you'll still be getting the results you need. Plus, if you buy from Better, you are also helping someone else in a big way too. It's putting your headaches, farts, and insomnia to work. And that's something we can all feel better about. I've been buying my Better Remedies products at Walmart at any time I need to stock up. And you can do the same. Everything is priced about 10% less than the big brands, works just as well, and makes an impact on something that is really important and that I am personally very passionate about. Make the switch next time you need relief. You'll feel better and be doing some good. Human medicine is obviously difficult, but it's kind of like compared to veterinary medicine, you're just taking care of one species, which is humans. But with the whole vet med field, it's like you have an expanse of animals. Which animals do you actually take care of? Do you take care of the whole animal kingdom or is there a set species that 
veterinary medicine is confined to? Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm sure you can definitely try to take on the whole animal kingdom. <laughs> I'll task. It's a lot. This is hard enough. I would say that job is definitely left for someone who's much smarter than me. I'm <laughs> comfortable saying that, okay? But for me, for the most part, I work mostly with dogs and cats. That's mm. right around the wheelhouse. That's why I specialize in, especially in, you know, family doctor or, you know, primary care setting. But in school, you work with cows and horses and goats. You have mm. to learn and you have to have experience in all of that is, you know, something does happen, you know, you know, I've been a veterinarian for five years now. And the last time I worked with a horse was about, you know, two years ago, and you still need to know vaccines for these horses that where people need help. And I was able to help out a friend. So, you know, don't lose everything out of, you know, yeah. your role and uh, try to retain as much as possible. And you can help a pet. And, you know, I also seen a mouse as you know recently as Two months ago, you know, a rat actually. Uh, they're, surprisingly, they're cuter than mice. I know. <laughs> oh my god! I have phobia of rodents. That we see, so it's all pretty fun. Whatever you're most comfortable with, whatever you've gotten the most experience, and if you've done an internship in a specialty clinic with products or large animal, then definitely go ahead and pursue that. But for me, I'm just dogs and cats, and I yeah. think that somebody else uh, is really comfortable with in this area. Yeah, so are there like specialized DVMs like specifically for horses or like monkeys or gators and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, there definitely. Are. Oh, okay. You know, there's a lot of specialists that go into, you know, farms for cattle mm. and goats and even, you know, horses, donkeys, and then mm. with the vets and there's your aquarium vets. And those are all different specialists. Lots of training. Uh, like I said, lots of people that's way smarter than me. <laughs> so... Specifically with dogs and cats, which you take care of as a primary doctor, how similar are they really to humans? I mean, you're the ones who see them from the inside as well. I can imagine you do like imaging tests as well on them or blood tests and stuff like that. Are dogs and cats just like miniature humans? <laughs> There's lots of similarities for sure. Mm -hmm. During undergrad physiology classes, mm -hmm. yeah. And the physiology is actually really, really similar. So when it comes to physiology, when I went to college in UC San Diego, which is out here mm -hmm. in California, the name of the class was mammalian physiology, right? Mm -hmm. so the physiology between mammals is rather similar. You know, the lungs all work the same. Circulation is the same. You mm -hmm. go left side, right side of the heart, liver leads up to the heart, you know, lungs go into the left side of the heart. That's mm -hmm. all pretty similar. The differences are in the metabolization of different mm -hmm. substances. So uh, mm -hmm. pharmacology very different toxicology mm -hmm. is so those are really big differences and then of course the anatomy is pretty different okay yeah like the wrist or the ankle mm -hmm. definitely different where the hawk of dog where they walk on is basically they basically walk on toes all day and that's mm -hmm. it i know it's hard to make with my hand but uh mm -hmm. you get one got it <laughs> got it that's so interesting yeah i can imagine how similar we are to them i wanted to ask about like the bread and butter of your work Let's say on a given day, I mean, I know you see dogs and cats specifically, but what are the, let's say, three to five diagnoses that you would see on a given day? Like, those are the three to five reasons why pet parents would bring their pets to you. Yeah, that's a really, really, really good question. The top five diagnosis, you know, off the top of my head, you know, when the data supports it, because I'm in the supplements field now and I do a lot of research, weight gain issues are huge right now, just like mm -hmm. in you know, dogs and cats, especially with COVID, everyone's away from the gym. Mm -hmm. 
outdoors and active. Pets being overweight was a pretty big issue for a while. Dental oh, wow. actually really big in pets because frankly, it's hard to brush your teeth in pets, right? Brush your dog's teeth, you're fighting with them the whole time. There's you know, chicken flavor toothpaste all over your carpet. <laughs> It's, it's just bad news, you know, so it, you can see why dental disease is really tough. And then digestive mm-hmm. dogs and cats just get into everything. That's just what they do. They explore mm-hmm. with it. Once in a while, of course, they're going to stumble upon, you know, your trash can or something on the floor, mm-hmm. you vomiting, a little indigestion, you know, colitis, gastroenteritis. Mm-hmm. Lastly is allergies, skin issues, ear issues. Things like that, just because, you know, genetically speaking, your dogs are pretty inbred, you know, and when you have genetics that are that closely linked, they are prone to a lot of things such as cancer, but uh, most importantly, mm-hmm. the most is skin and allergy issues. And mm-hmm. so dogs are something I see every day and ear infections are things I see every day. Interesting. It's literally like a primary care. It's literally like an emergency room. <laughs> It's, for the animals. it's just like urgent care. It's just like primary care. Uh, I'm sure like you guys, family doctors see the same thing. And mostly, you know, digestive issues, skin issues, things like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I can imagine how fun it is though to see all of these pets running around in your clinic before. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Man, it's really, a, you know, when they say it's not just literally an animal house, but it is a literally a literal animal house. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> parking you know all day and you know quiet time like this is actually really strange for me i'm used to hearing you know cats hearing dogs you know the whole time and you know me and my nurses talking over that's regular so i'm usually talking at this octave even when i yeah. come <laughs> you just sustain it yeah what, what does the team inside of that clinic look like like who are part of the team good question good question and chris these are really good questions to throwing <laughs> at you know you're just alley-ooping it to me and i'm dunking it uh you know, as far as a clinic goes in the most pet clinics, you have your receptionist up front, of course. So when people get checked in, that's what they see. Pets get checked in and then they go ahead and see the nurses and the doctor. The nurses take history. They kind of triage the pet, make sure things are okay. And then I go in and I look at the pet, make sure everything's okay, do my little spiel. And on the back end where you don't see though, is a whole team of nurses for more urgent cases and emergencies and a hospitalization and they're taking care of pets back there they're cleaning up all the messes i make in the hospital because <laughs> I, I leave junk everywhere they spend a lot of time cleaning up after me but also you know they're giving injections ivs mm. i am they're you know taking care of treatments for patients that are there all day and then i have a manager back there as well who's you know making sure everything's right or making sure our inventory stocked up and every doctor has own team of nurses so mm-hmm. each doctor of three doing all those tasks yeah they take care of all of that and our head technicians they kind of lead that and direct everybody so there you go my own hospital has a staff of about 22 for oh, 20, wow. 24 for four doctors oh wow that's that's a very big team so cute to think because i'm so used to like people every day that thinking of it's a hospital for animals seems i know it's difficult but it sounds like so fun and a deviation from like the human reality i should visit just to see the animals and not have even though Please i don't have do. a of my own and chris <laughs> on over and pay us a visit i'll show you what it's like I <laughs> but i wanted to ask also you know you told me all of those diagnoses and the bread and butter of what you would usually see and this is the question that most people ask for all the other human or human physicians as well is what do you think is there a most unforgettable memory that you've had ever with 
a pet that you took care of, whether it's the rarest diagnosis you've seen or scariest thing that you ever had to do for an animal or a pet parrot? That's a pretty good question. I wouldn't say, man, I see so many really, really good cases. Yeah. There's not one that really stands out above all of them, but there's like a cluster. So mm -hmm. regular cases I see every day, and it's really hard to you know remember because I'm back mm -hmm. to third day, you know, and I'm, everything kind of blends together. But the big cases that are a little bit more difficult to figure out where people, other doctors can't figure out and they refer to me or, you know, second opinion or third opinion and mm -hmm. things aren't, you figure it out for them. So, you know, even my first year as a veterinarian, I had a case, a little nerd talk here. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be called a sterile nodular paniculitis, basically mm -hmm. an auto disease the body starts eating away at its own fat in this mm -hmm. in the skin and so the dog had a bunch of ulcers all over its body and skin mm -hmm. infections all the skin infections uh, or supposedly what looked like skin infections were all sterile culture was negative mm -hmm. and so you know after you take a biopsy and figure that out you know it sticks with you because the clients are so happy and it's like man yeah. figure this out for the last four months with my veterinarian and it hasn't yeah. nothing has Things like that kind of stick with you. Mm -hmm. And the number two that really sticks with you, is the ones where you help people, where you, uh, I like to say we're suckers as veterinarians. <laughs> so you're kind of a sucker and I don't do this very often, but if somebody cannot afford treatment for their pet and mm -hmm. they have to relinquish the pet uh, because mm -hmm. of $5,000 surgery or $4,000 surgery mm -hmm. or $8,000 surgery that's to fix a pet and they can't afford it and they're cheap. Mm -hmm. After, you know, do I need to put down my pet because I have medical bills? There's no insurance mm -hmm. for pet parents, you know? Yeah. So we as veterinarians, we're suckers for a sob story. And we say, okay, you know what? I'll take in your pet and I'll pay for the surgery and uh, I'll do all that. And then, you know, after I'll give you back your pet. <laughs> and you uh, for a little bit. I, it doesn't happen very often, but they'll stick with you. But please don't send all your pets my way. I can't adopt them. <laughs> <laughs> kind of all of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to ask about those sub stories as well because I think one of the most viral videos on like Facebook or Instagram when it comes to like vet med clinics are when you put down the pet, right? And then you'll just see the pet parents like, you know, obviously wailing and crying because this is like their child, it's like their best friend. And I wanted to ask from like being the doctor for these animals and the ones making executive decisions when it comes to these life and death situations for the pets. How do you internally manage that? And how do you break that news out to the pet parents? Yeah, it's a little bit different, right? It's actually something that's probably from your end, not super common in human medicine, where humane euthanasia is an option. Yeah. So I go a little bit deep, you know, deeper than normal different type of conversation. But humane euthanasia in veterinary medicine is, to me, a bit of a blessing, okay? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the pets don't have to go through months and months and months of arduous, you know, suffering, trying to figure things out or get things better when, you know, there's really, really a poor prognosis there. Mm -hmm. And then four months of suffering, that's a lot of suffering for them, okay? Mm -hmm. So when a pet parent is brave enough to approach that topic, and, yeah. you, you know, it's, it would be cruel to shut them down. You know, mm -hmm. you talk to them about it and it, these are difficult waters to navigate. It's a top five worst day of their lives. You know, mm -hmm. listen to them, talk to them about their concerns. And the most important thing you have to keep in mind is how can I help? Mm -hmm. And helping not pet, but the pet parent. 
So yeah. if you think if you always approach a conversation like that with how can I help, then you're on the right track. You're gonna be okay. And so that's how I talk to these pet parents. This type of subject that can be difficult to navigate. Yeah. That's how you get them to kind of open up and say, hey, it's really, really tough on my family right now. Mm -hmm. Most of these people are family people. They have three kids at mm -hmm. They have, you know, unfortunately, you know, us guys, we're not really good at being in tune with what's going on <laughs> and how almost everything is thrown on the mom, you know, so mm -hmm. a little bit tough, but yeah, yeah after this, you can navigate it well and, you know, try to help people the best you can. And if humane euthanasia is the answer in some of these situations where mm -hmm. there's no way to come back from certain diseases, and yeah, uh, that's where that's what you have to do. And uh, you know, it, it's sad, but it it definitely is a blessing. And you know, as much as it hurts, you do bring peace to the family and peace to the pet. Yeah, I mean, it's a super heavy topic because you know, I mean, every pet is precious, obviously. But we literally hear of people, you know, that oh, it's just me and my pet, right? Like they're literally best their whole friends, they, their whole life together. And we even hear of people who are single who rely on their pet flight, right, for their companionship at home. And I can't imagine how hard it is for them. It's literally a family member. That's, yeah. that's what it is. The pets are part of their family. And when it comes to prognosis, what would be the top reasons for the necessity to put down the pet? Is it usually cancer or? So yeah, the top diagnosis that I usually deal with when it comes to you know human nature cases is you know the cancer. Uh, mm -hmm. Osteoporosis is really really huge in pets mm -hmm. because a little bit earlier, pets are bred so closely, and when it comes to genetics, or you know golden retrievers or, or a pug, you know mm -hmm. that's thousands of years of in genetic inbreeding. So these guys are prone to things like allergies and unfortunately yeah. cancer. So mm -hmm. osteosarcoma is really really huge. Soft tissue sarcoma. I've seen more and more neurologic tumors. You know, mm. in very very strange cases like that, and you know, cases where there's no real good treatment. You know, radiation therapy, or you know, you can go see the oncologist. You know, mm -hmm. what do you buy? Like six months. Sometimes, sometimes they go into remission. That's great for certain cancers. Mm -hmm. MR. There's no real good resolution, and uh, humane euthanasia is you know sometimes the that the answer for that family. And you yeah. know, facilitate and help the best you can. Yeah, I am very curious as to how your field changed since the commencement of the pandemic. Um, yeah. Have you seen more pathology than usual, or it's still the same thing? It's just you see less of the pet. <laughs> no, actually, you know, since then, you know, maybe the initial four to six months period, mm -hmm. COVID hit. I was down from thirty to thirty-five pets a day, mm -hmm. down fifteen pets a day. That's why mm -hmm. I started little supplements company, but ramped early back up to our regular mm. 35 pets. As far as pathologies go, I do see definitely more overweight pets now than before yeah. because, you know, people haven't been out exercising and it's hard to get back into habits that you've broken for a year or so and a half. And same thing for their pets. You know, we're not going on walks as much. You know, we're just sitting at home enjoying our treats and our TV time, our Netflix time, so to say. And that's really one thing that I've seen more of during this mm -hmm. time. On the other hand, you know, I have seen less uh, dental issues in pets versus before. Mm -hmm. Really good, which, you know, when people are spending their time, increased time at home, taking care of their pets. 
Yeah, brushing the teeth. Yeah. If they're just hanging out, they might as well try, right? Yeah. Honestly, I've been seeing a little bit better teeth in the last two years or so. Otherwise, now that we ramped back up, I'm back to seeing, you know, the regular digestive issues. Yeah. And, you know, that about covers it when it comes to different There we go. And a question that really came up, like, I think at the start of the pandemic, and I'm not sure if they've done studies on this, but as the animal expert, did our pets get COVID-19 as well? <laughs> You know, that's a really good question. Okay. So during the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was, uh, it's not wrong to say, we were all freaking out. Okay. Mm -hmm. One of the things we freaked out about was, you know, are our pets going to be hosts for COVID-19 and vice versa, right? As far as we've seen over the last two years, dogs for the most part are okay. I haven't seen any, uh, personally, any COVID-19 positive dogs. Mm -hmm. With my surrounding clinics, I know there have been, you know, reports here and there, but they're, as far as I know, dead end. Same thing with mm. cats. The cats actually do show symptoms, though, every mm. once in a while. We'll see them with, you know, upper respiratory issues where they're sneezing or coughing a little bit, a little bit runny nose. And then, but mm. they are dead end hosts as well. So they don't really yeah. go on after a certain period of time. Where I was, you know, me and my clinic, where we were concerned about mostly is, hey, are serving as fomites? or basically a means of transmission, okay? Mm -hmm. Say the person at home is positive for COVID and they sneeze yeah. on the dog. And now the dog comes to see us at the clinic and, yeah. you know, uh, the aerosolized, you know, stuff on the fur and is now on us. That's what we worry about. Luckily mm -hmm. for our hospital, the last two years have avoided any major outbreaks. So we did all mm. good. Now that we're all vaccinated, I think, you know, we're all pretty safe. And uh, that's when we started ramping things up. Yeah, that's so interesting because, you know, we know that animals are the reservoir for many things, like even cats with toxoplasmosis and stuff like that. So I guess people were really, were really interested if actual COVID could be yeah. from, you know, the usual pets that we have at home. And I also wanted to ask, you know, like I said earlier, we were supposed to have this live stream last year, but our schedules didn't match up, but for I think almost two years ago as well. But over the past year, I mean, you know, not a lot of things have happened except the fact that you were on TV to <laughs> promote Energy, yeah. which is your brand. If you could just tell us what it is and what it's about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for asking. As far as, you know, my brand, goes you know i i know i touched on this a little earlier but basically we're just a little brand that you know started up during the pandemic so that we can help the more pet parents and their pets mm -hmm. you know regulations stopped patients in my community and clients in my community from coming in to see me as often 30 pets a day to pets a day is pretty drastic and i get booked up for over a month and what started out as little supplements here and there for joint issues skin issues digestive issues and dental issues like i said the most common things that I see, you know, kind of grew into an online business. And now, you know, I'm a little bit of a representative for, <laughs> hey, you know, home care, you know, which is really important, which is what we do for ourselves, right? We try home remedies first. And if it doesn't work, then, okay, we it's time to see the doctor. And that's what mm -hmm. I want to, you know, but the right way, right? Don't give your dog ibuprofen. It's going to destroy its kidney and liver and mm -hmm. cause gastric ulcer, right? Try this instead. Try that instead. And, you know, what started mm -hmm. out like this has grown in something, you know, became really, really popular and popular enough that USA Network approached us and they said, hey, uh, we really liked your pitch. We went to these online retailers. They really liked our pitch and th mm -hmm. said, 
it would be great for TV. And <laughs> thankfully, we were chosen out of you know more than 14,000 applicants. And we were on the premiere of a show called America's Big Deal. That's October, yeah. And man, that was really, really fun. Luckily, you know, we sold $30,000 of product in less than an hour on live TV. There we um, go. You know, come on stage and jump on me and say hi to these people. And we earned a deal with, you know, Lowe's Home Improvement. So, yes, uh, starting, you know, in April, the boys' products will be on the shelves at Lowe's and more to come. You know, we're doing applying to more every single day, actually. And uh, you can always find our products at longergypets.com. And if you have any questions, any concerns, hey, what might be the best product for your pet? Feel free, shoot an email, ask me on my Instagram. I'm more than happy to answer all your questions. Having worked as a nurse in cardiac surgery recovery and outpatient interventional cardiology, I learned that listening is a vital part of the field. But beyond listening to what patients say, it's also important to hear what they don't say. And many times, you can hear this in the stillness and quietness of the room as their chest thumps and rhythms that can range from normalcy to urgency. A person's heartbeat is not only a sign of life, but also a sign of its quality. According to the CDC, arrhythmias, or abnormal heart sounds, have an expected prevalence of about 1.5% in the general population, with atrial fibrillation being the most common. This is why it is so important that we can adequately hear and detect heart and even lung sounds that may be detrimental to human life. ECHO provides smart digital stethoscopes, such as the 3M Letman Core Digital Stethoscope, that help you check for signs of heart and lung disease in seconds during physical exams with unprecedented enhanced stethoscope sound and automated detection. This is all through a quick pairing with your mobile device. This is made possible by features such as having up to 40 times amplification, active noise cancellation, wireless listening, auto-triggered heart murmur and atrial fibrillation detection, and real-time visualization of sound and ECG that you can share as a consult with a trusted colleague or specialist. Every patient encounter deserves exceptional care. Hear clearly and care confidently with ECHO. The virtual space is flooded with so many different brands, resources, and gears made for healthcare workers from all disciplines. From scrubs to pins and even compression socks, it can truly get overwhelming trying to find the best product fit for you. Links to these items can get lost, and the list can get so long that you forget what you actually needed to purchase for your next work shift. This is why I am so grateful to partner with Lumify, the community marketplace for healthcare workers all in one app. Finding the brands you love, discovering new tools, and accessing your resources and communities shouldn't be difficult. Instead of going to 50 different websites to access what you need, you can find it all on Lumify, where over 200 brands, organizations, and resources are united with one goal, to support healthcare workers. As a nurse-founded company, Lumify believes that all healthcare professionals deserve a trusting and supportive community of their peers. In Lumify, you can easily communicate with your peers to trade advice, share product recommendations, and discuss what resources are best to support you. You can even earn Lumify points on every purchase you complete, which you can save for product discounts. Whether it's mental health resources, or fluid-resistant shoes, high clove, or stethoscopes, high echo, or podcasts, welcome to France of France, Lumify is trusted by over 75,000 healthcare professionals at the bedside and beyond, including myself. Enter this new healthcare ecosystem where you can get 10% off using the code LUMIFYFRANZ, that's L-U-M-I-F-Y-F-R-A-N-Z, at LUMIFYCARE.com or the Lumify app available for download on iOS devices. It's a one-stop shop, and I hope you drop by.
I like dogs, but I feel like I was never exposed to introduced to cats growing up. Yeah. That I think mentally, I think I have an allergy to cats, so I probably don't even. <laughs> but, oh, what's but funny? I, I actually, when I first started in veterinary medicine, I was super allergic to two things: horses and cats. Oh, really. Super- out for about three years every day before going to work or even school mm-hmm. to year, I had to take Allegra and Zyrtec oh, and really? every single day to prevent flare-ups. And, you know, last, what, three years now, I haven't had a flare-up. So I don't know what happened. You just got desensitized. And speaking of cats, someone asked, how long should my cat have the cone after she's neutered? And if you can explain what being neutered is for yeah. those who are not familiar. That's a really, really good question. So what we do for a lot of dogs and cats uh, at a young age is fix them. Okay. So this is actually today is what? February 28th. It's Mm -hmm. actually the last day of spay and neuter awareness month in pets. Okay. So something very cool, you know, this is great coincidence that this happened, but Mm -hmm. they are dogs, you know, starting at a young age to prevent, you know, two major diseases okay there's pros and cons to everything okay i'm not gonna say it's all one way or the other that's mm-hmm. just not what works okay but you want to prevent two things pyometra i don't know how often people get this chris maybe you know a little bit more but that's a massive massive life-threatening you know infection of the uterus okay and it mm-hmm. happens dogs seven if they're still intact it happens a lot and you know i just did one surgery last week okay to save you know a dog's life and those are pretty scary and the second you know issue you want to prevent is a mammary tumor or basically breast cancer those mm-hmm. instances go up with each heat cycle same thing with the pyometra mm-hmm. so get the early lower incidence great of course, the cons of, you know, issues like that is, you know, the spay and the neuter, the metabolism goes down just a little bit and they gain mm-hmm. weight a little bit. It's not so great for the joint. But for me, you can always, you know, diet and exercise, but you cannot, you know, prevent, you know, those type of cancers. So for the neutering, it's the same thing, but for testicular cancer and prostate. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what we're trying to prevent with the neutering. You know, someone commented that their cat just got neutered. Yeah, that's a surgery. You take the sources of potential cancer out and it takes about two weeks to heal. So keep that cone on for two weeks. The last thing you want is for your cat to get to that incision site and lick and lick and lick. And now you're dealing with a skin infection. Okay, that's no fun. So hang in there. The cone is no fun, but hang in there for two weeks. These cats, uh, then these dogs are really smart. They'll learn how to eat Mm -hmm. with it. on, And after that, you take it off. They'll be happy. There you go. And... You always post about like surgeries that you do, which is so cool. And uh, I would watch them. You know, I'm so used to, I think, watching human surgeries. I'm like, okay, okay. But then when I watch your animal surgeries, I'm like, oh my gosh, why is it so visceral? Why why am I feeling so differently? What are the most common surgeries that you would do? Like if they become the So spay and neuter is the most basic. I do those every single day. I love space. A lot of veterinarians hate it because it's really a pretty difficult surgery. You know, you're really deep in the abdomen and every space is a little bit different because every dog's anatomy is a little bit different because mm-hmm. French bulldog spay is not the same as a great mm-hmm. day, if you can imagine. Okay. Mm-hmm. But those are the fun ones that I do every day. And then outside of that, the other common ones I do are laceration repairs and wound repairs. I know I say dogs and cats are smart, but they're not that smart. Okay. Sometimes they'll run into it <laughs> and they'll cut themselves really bad. And sometimes they do get into fights and you try to help them. And over here in Southern California, there's something called foxtails. Uh, mm. or 
ones they're known as in the Midwest where I spent my clinical year, you know, and they get into, you know, these pets skin. Okay. And they mm. burrow big abscesses and i think that would be mm. the top five that i do and you had to cut them open and drain them and find the source and take it out mm. uh so for people out there if you guys are taking your pets for a walk definitely come back home make sure you check your pet for those little spiky things or little grass ons and foxtails that burrow through the skin it can cause some serious issues yeah what are the most viral tiktok recently i think within the past two months where bot flies and humans oh but then I think there was also a few dogs with like pop flies, I think. And uh, wow, I thought I was going to pass out after a while. They basically put like Vaseline on top so you could like suffocate the bot fly and it would try to escape. And then let me tell you. <laughs> They're real ugly. They're real ugly. And they'd like to get around neck area okay yeah. cats mostly more than dogs will get them every once in a while and they'll just mm. be stuck right there and you have to pull it out. <laughs> I know everybody loves those videos. I know they're gross. Uh, you know, <laughs> salute, salute to you. But earlier we also talked about how emotionally taxing healthcare is, but also specifically vet med as well. I mean, I can't imagine how busy it gets and the amount of thinking you have to do every day because you know you see different types of cats, different types of dogs, and you got to deal with the pet parents. You have to compromise sometimes when it comes to your treatment, right? They have their preconceived notions of what's best for their pet and then you have the clinical expertise of what's actually best for their pet based on the science how do you be compressed out of work given how stressful that it could be yeah i mean everyone decompresses uh you know a little bit different way sure. i personally at least once a week like to go out with my friends and <laughs> drink some soju you know yeah. uh that, that's me okay yeah this you know uh and have some korean barbecue also play a lot of basketball i go fishing i'm a big outdoors guy so you know i try to do you know that type of activity at least once a month or once every two weeks it is stressful and you know it's important to have those outlets it's good for your mental health because uh, mm -hmm. if you're waking up every day already with clenching your jaw clenching your mm -hmm. teeth from all the stress that you carry over from the next day that's not good for you so it's really important at the end of every day however many pets how many difficult cases you get you take a second you sit down maybe 30 minutes you take a good deep breath and you think about what you did today and you say you know what i did good i helped a lot of people i helped a lot of pets and then you can you know lower that tension on your jaw you don't have to clench mm -hmm. your teeth anymore. and then that you go eat a big meal or you drink a little bit of soju you know <laughs> makes you happy well, those are the things that i do and uh you know you go to sleep with a loose jaw and you wake up with a loose jaw uh my first two years of my career were that's really tough you know you're the only doctor in the clinic that's back then and before i got into these routines i was going to sleep with a tight jaw and just like this waking up just like that and the carryover day to day to day mm -hmm. really tough you know i was 28 days in a row to help pay off my student loans and mm -hmm. After two years, you realize, hey, that's not that's not good. That's not good. Mm -hmm. So, you have a long lasting career. Make sure you take care of yourself. You know, everybody, make sure you decompress. Uh, and that goes for whatever job you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. That, that, that's beautiful. And just just to tie it all off, as someone who's been in the field for five years, and so many things can change in five years within a certain field, what do you think is the biggest challenge that the field of veterinary medicine? 
has to face or continues to face? And what do you think is the biggest hope for the field? Honestly, the biggest challenge we have coming up, okay, is related to the pandemic indirectly. Okay. Mm -hmm. So during the pandemic, actually a lot of new pet owners. So people are at mm -hmm. home and, you know, they're just hanging out and a lot of them adopted new pets. Actually, since, you know, the pandemic started, with the, we actually have statistics. Luckily, I work for, you know, a big corporate animal mm -hmm. hospital. So we have these, you know, pet ownership has gone up about 10% in the United States. And in terms of animal hospitals, during this time, a lot of the older veterinarians that own, run their own small animal clinics weren't able to keep up with the pandemic changes, mm -hmm. seeing less pets. They couldn't, you know, keep it up. So they ended up having to close their clinics. So now we have the same amount of veterinary schools, same amount of graduating vets every mm -hmm. year, more retirement. There's going to be great pet influx in the United States over the next five years or so. Mm -hmm. And out of overcrowded, overflooded veterinary clinic. We're already seeing mm -hmm. it in first-year vets. When I was a first-year vet, I was seeing 10 pets a day, okay? And that's pretty standard. Right now, my first-year vets in my clinic, they're seeing almost 20, about 20 pets a day. And it's a lot of, and that number is just going to go up. Dealing with that is a little bit difficult, but I think weapons to deal with it with technology. First, learning, you know, from my end of things, I'm learning people how to take care of their pets at home a little bit better so they don't need to see the clinic veterinary mm -hmm. uh, pet care home remedies things like that that's what we're here for and on the other side of things people who are better at technology than this terrible millennial here people are <laughs> now telemedicine is coming in so that's yeah. how we're it we'll see how well it works i'm pretty excited to see if it works or not because you know if it does great but if it doesn't that's just another challenge for us to mm -hmm industry to beat you know and we can do it <laughs> uh, i love your passion so much in this field actually one of my uncles is uh bbm in the philippines so wow. yeah, I've heard, i have heard of stories of how it is to be a doctor for our lovely non-human animals but I, the passion that's just emanating from you it's so contagious and i love it so much and yeah, parents and these pets are so lucky to have you <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Now, honestly, this is this is what we're here for. You know, we love what we do, and yeah, it's it's great talking about it. And I'm sorry if I nerd out every once in a while here and there on certain topics. I kind of so we want <laughs> rant on certain things, but yeah, a lot of big picture things. I, I love talking about <laughs> questions about you know certain diseases or supplements or issues in pets. I'm more than happy to answer. And now, congratulations that this coming April, Wilner G will be in low homes. And congratulations because you just finished your first IG Live ever. <laughs> hey, let's go! <laughs> and it's an honor that we finally, finally did it. I mean, isn't it so crazy how quick, like, one year went by? Because I remember last year we were, like, trying to match our schedules. But then it was so busy because you were, like, having the influx of the pets again. And then I was also in school and I was like, okay, we're... We're not going to make this work. But then we finally did a year after and so many things have changed. And I'm so happy for you, Doc. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm so excited to see how things unfold. And thank you again for being with me tonight. Thank you, Chris, for having me. This was so much oh fun. Have me on again sometime soon. We will. We More will. questions. We will. I'm here all the things. Thank you for having me and uh, dealing with my, you know, terrible technology skills. <laughs> 
went it went by perfectly. Thank you so much, and I hope you have some soju tonight. If oh, for you sure. Have a good night. Hey, in LA soon. Okay, come back yeah. and visit. I will uh, come visit the animal hospital. <laughs> I'm ready to see the pets. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. I'll see you. Bye. Good night, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning Bye. in. We have now reached the end of the story. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Friends of France. I hope you had an enjoyable adventure learning about our expert guests, their work, and why they do the things that they do. Please check out the rest of the series available on all podcast platforms. Please also consider following the podcast on the platform that you prefer. Turn on the alerts for new episodes so you don't miss new stories. And give us a rating to support the show. You can find more updates on the podcast's official Instagram at Friends of France Pod or my personal Instagram at Chris Franz. That's without the I because there is no I in team. <laughs> I'm kidding. Someone already took the username. Have a great day or night, everybody.